Oh, hey, as these, as these young ones are, yes, ma'am. those that gave for the week I missed to work. I love being with these kids 24-7. If I could get paid for it and plus work, it would be a double whammy. But thank y'all that gave for the week of work I left. It has been used abundantly to help this, and I'm giving some more back to the BGMC. So thank you. We are so close. Thank you for all your help. Thank you. Hey, we love you kids. Next gen. You want to tell your joke? No? <laughs> I'm going to open with a joke she gave me. She said, hey, pastor, why doesn't Jesus wear jewelry? I said, I don't know. I'm trying to eat a cinnamon bun right now. And she said, because he breaks every chain. So, (laughs) hey, would you turn to Genesis 1 with me this morning? Um, So good. Um, This morning, we're going to go... Um, we're going to talk about some difficult things. Um, we will be looking at gender and sexual identity. And so I'm looking around. I don't see any young ones still left in here. Brandon, you'll forget about this by the time you're old enough to... Because uh, I was going to say you may want to uh, just, you know, parents will give you the option um, to uh, let the let the little ones be in the back, because we're going to talk about some heavy things this morning. So if you would turn to Genesis 1 with me, um, I want to just look at a, a verse. Um, and before I say this, before I start, I just want to say this, that our goal this morning is a biblical view of sexuality and gender. We're kind of going through a bit of a series, uh, late summer, it's hot, anybody notice it's hot outside, um, talking about some hot topics, and this is something that is, uh, in 2023, a controversial thing. And so, you know, I prayed about it, and I was, you know, God, what can I, what can we speak on? What challenging conversations can we have? And this was what came to my heart. And number one, the first thing before we go any further, the goal of this, and I will be speaking a little bit Today, um, towards a podcast audience, we do have a podcast. These, these messages are online. And so if you're listening online, I thank you for your time. And uh, I pray that God blesses you. Our goal is a biblical understanding and a biblical view. It is not to lament society, condemn anyone, or position ourselves as super spiritual know-it-alls, Okay. Um, we want to understand what the Bible has to say about everything, not just this issue, okay? Um, our goal is understanding and hope, okay? Um, and if you are listening to this, and if you have someone in your family, I want you to know the stance of this pastor in this church, okay? If you know someone or if you identify as homosexual or trans, God loves you. This church loves you, and you are welcome here. That's the truth. That's the truth. And I want you to know if you have a friend, if you have a family member that identifies as such, they are welcome in this house, and they will be loved when they walk in those doors. They're already loved, but we'll love them when they come in. I was worried uh, that, (laughs) Kenneth, I saw you come in, and like everyone swarmed you, and they just wanted to hug you. And and I was like, oh, my goodness. But anyway, I I think you knew most of those people, so... (laughs) I was like, he's going to think we're crazy. Uh, My goal is to be proactive in conversation. Um, Parents, you need to be on the front end of this conversation, not the back end. Let me say that again because you didn't hear me. Parents, you need to be on the front end of this conversation, not the back end. You need to be proactive in that. Um, If you haven't started talking to your children about these kind of things, probably someone else already has. And you've got either some catch-up to play or you've got some preparation to make. So you need to be doing that. Um, Let me just go ahead and read this. Uh, So we're going to look at Genesis 1, uh, verse 26 through 28. And uh, it says, Then God said, 
Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, all the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the, uh, along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. I went fishing with a couple of gentlemen yesterday. and We did not reign over any fish in the sea. The fish were laughing at us for, they're like, do y'all not know how hot it is? You know? And so anyway, so let's talk. Gender. This is a word you've heard a lot if you are online at all. In today's world, an understanding of two, uh, the, the classic understanding of two genders has been replaced by an acceptance and even an accommodation of multiple genders. In 2023, there are 107 recognized genders by certain groups. The standard used to be that a person's sex and gender were synonymous. Today, that is called an outdated idea. Genetic factors typically define a person's sex, but gender refers to how they identify on the inside. This is a, an article from Medical News Today. Only an individual can determine their own gender identity, and it does not need to be fixed. Some examples of gender identity types include non-binary, cisgender, and gender fluid. Is that true? Society says yes. Have you ever heard of pronouns? When I was a kid, a pronoun was something that I had to learn about. And it's like, I remember getting to the third grade and I knew what like a noun and a verb was, okay? And then they come and start talking about adjectives and pronouns and, and I'm like, y'all, listen, this is too much for my third grade brain, okay? Uh, Michigan, Michigan State House of Representatives passed a bill. It's called HB 4474 uh, in June, I believe it was June or July of this year, uh, this legislation criminalizes causing someone to feel threatened by words. Under the new bill, offenders are guilty of a felony punishable by imprisonment for not more than five years or by a fine of not more than $10,000. All you have to do is encounter someone who identifies a certain way and you mistake them and you, ref you know, hey, I, I'm not going to say your, your, your word. And that person, uh, you could be held, uh, you, could, you could be held in contempt of this rule and have a really bad day. So as in all things, we should ask, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about this issue? A lot of people would argue and say, well, pastor, this is, this is a modern issue. The Bible does not speak on this. They would be wrong. The day that we, he is fine. He is fine. He can help me preach if he wants to. The day that we close the Bible and say it doesn't know, the Bible can't speak on modern issues, is the day that we are an apostate people and we won't hear from God anymore. So what does the Bible say? What makes a person male or female? Uh, the first is external sexual anatomy. Boys, we're going to use the words. Boys have a penis. <laughs> Girls have a vagina. Boys have, uh, they have testicles. Girls, women, they have ovaries. We have God designed the sexes differently. Come on, you didn't know he was coming to biology class this morning. <laughs> the second is internal reproductive organs. Both sexes are different in this. God designed men and women 
differently. And I'm going to tell you why in just a second. And the third is endocrine systems that produce sex characteristics. Hormones, for instance, females have higher estrogen, males have higher testosterone, you know, and those both do different things. Higher testosterone makes you not have the ability to find things. Uh, Our interpretation of sexual characteristics may be culturally informed. What does that mean? Boys like trucks, girls like dolls. That's not science. And I know some ladies that drive trucks, okay? <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Can I just give you that? In our society, uh, a lot of times if a little girl wants to go hunting, or maybe not in this area, because y'all ladies be out here killing these big deer, um, <laughs> The largest deer killed in Bossier, Paris last year was a 12-point killed by a lady. So anyway, um, that is a cultural thing. <clears throat> However, sex itself is not a social or cultural construct. <clears throat> it is a matter of physical biology. It used to be that sex and gender were synonymous. If you had male anatomy, you were male. If you had female anatomy, you were female. Today, however... A person's gender identity is based on their view of self, how they feel. The primary belief of the trans community is that sex and gender are two different things. They would say a person's gender rather than sex is the basis, basis on which a person's identity is built. The view promoted, or this view is promoted in our culture, in education, social media, and children's programming. You know this. This is why you need to be really aware of what your kids are watching, what they're learning, what they're reading, who they're talking to. One count lists over 70 children's shows with over 250 characters that I, who do not fit a binary male or female gender ID, Blue's Clues, My Little Pony, DuckTales, Star Wars Resistance, even toys. Those are just a few shows. Those are just a few. Um, I, the other day, my daughter was on. We, we don't let our kids watch YouTube unsupervised, but uh, one of the shows that we thought was okay, she was watching, and I, and I looked up, and I heard a very feminine, but I could tell it was a male voice, and sure enough, there's a guy, and he's kind of playing the role of the female and I said, hey, Piper, we got to lose this one. we got to lose this one. And so you need to be really aware. Uh, even toys uh, mirror this ideology. LOL surprise dolls, uh, Mr. Potato Head. Did y'all know he's not Mr. Potato Head anymore? He's just regular Potato Head. <laughs> Come on. Y'all couldn't let us at least just keep Mr. Potato Head. Culture promotes this. Educators are often encouraged to take children on a journey of gender exploration. There was a man that was just fired because he released a video on TikTok talking about how his kindergarten students were ready to begin having the sex talk. They were ready to begin exploring their bodies, exploring each other's bodies, and going on a trans journey. This gentleman was not just fired, but he was arrested on counts of possession of child pornography. In Oregon, this is the U.S., this isn't some faraway place. 15-year-old children, when you're 15, you are still a child, are legally allowed to receive gender reassignment surgery without their parents' consent, without even notifying their parents, and this is paid for by Medicare. So, and I'm not, I'm not up here to, to fuss, I'm not up here to complain, but we have to understand what we're looking at, okay? So what does the Bible say? What does the Bible tell us about this? And we read this. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let him have dominion. So he created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female, Made in the image of God. And this church kind of knows what that means. That doesn't mean that you look like God. 
And that's good because I picture God as this holy and, you know, some of us, you know, anyway. Uh, that doesn't mean you look like God, but that means you reflect God's character into the world. And so God didn't just create a, God created a, a sexed people. He created male and female so that male and female could both reflect his character in unique ways. Okay? God did that on purpose. All right? And Jesus, you, you could say, well, your pastor, the New Testament doesn't talk about this. Yes, it does. Jesus in Matthew 19, 4 said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Our gender identity is designed by God, not based on how we feel. God purposefully created you as male or female, and Satan wants nothing more nothing less than to confuse and corrupt our identity. That's what the enemy wants to do because if he can confuse your identity, then he can ruin your purpose. If Satan can confuse your identity and take away your purpose, then you will fall away from your father and just enter the world. And that's what he wants to do. But God says this, so it's a twofold purpose in creation of man. He says, and it says, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So there's two things here. God created us, male and female, for reproduction and for rulership. Those are purposes. Male and female were created for reproduction. God designed us that way and he charged us with that mission. Our society pushes kids away and boxes them up. We fight over the sanctity of life when we should be protecting our most defenseless and innocent. Nothing breaks my heart more than this. You go to a restaurant and you'll see couples. And what are they doing? They're on their phones. You should be enjoying yourself. But what really breaks my heart is not when the couples are on the phones, when the parents are on the phones. And then here's what we do. We get tired of fooling with our kids Kids are frustrating. Like if you were, Jason and Claude and Kim and Donna and Brittany all are looking at me right now and saying, dude, you be careful. Because I got so frustrated at my boys last night. Y'all, it was hot and I still went outside and it was more peaceful out there sweating than with my boys, y'all. And I thank God for those boys. But church family, we have got to stop being so impatient with the gifts that God give us, gives us that we just stick a phone in their face and stop listening and stop learning about them. Stop doing that. Amen. So, our society has, has devalued reproduction. It's devalued babies. Some people say babies are a clump of cells. We know that's not right. That's demonic. Pastor John Lindell says this. He says, one of the best things God can give is a baby. And one of the best things you can give society is a child that's raised to know God. Church family, that's why we have baby dedications. When we have a baby dedication, I, we hold that baby, and hopefully they don't cry. But sometimes when they turn around and see this mug, they do. And we charge the parents, hey, will you raise this child to know Jesus? And then we turn around and say, church family, will you raise this child to know Jesus? That's part of who you are as a church, is, is raising these young ones up. So it's a blessing. And for those who can't have a baby, there are ways to be involved with the next generation. I don't believe that just, you know, and, and, and obviously Brittany and I have been so blessed. We've got these three rug rats, and every day we just say, thank you, Lord, for these beautiful children. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, 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 and I, my heart hurts for those who have fertility issues and but I don't think it's fair to you or children for you to just say I'm mad that I can't conceive and just be a shut-in I think you should you know help you're part of this church community and what do we say all the time we love our next generation 
you know, talk to Pastor Monica. Hey, can I help? You know what? Another thing you could do is be the greatest aunt or uncle on the face of the earth. Chastity's not here this morning because she's on vacation, but my kids have the greatest aunt. They call her auntie, and it's just awesome. You can do those things. So we've covered one thing. Male and female are created for the purposes of reproduction because God says go and fill the earth, populate this thing. And another thing is rulership, that we are created to mirror the image of God in unique ways. Here's another thing I want to talk about. So the Bible prohibits men dressing as women. The Bible prohibits that. Now, we're not going to get super weird and legalistic on this. What the Bible prohibits is men dressing like women for sexual purposes to attract sexual attention. And it prohibits women doing the same thing. I'm not going to lie to you and say, let, let me tell you something. One day, I got up. I didn't turn the lights on in our bedroom. I didn't want to wake anybody up. And I found a pair of pants. And I put them on. And I left and I thought, man, these pants are broken good. <laughs> and I just went through my day and like, you know, I said, man, I, and I was looking at, I said, man, I look good. <laughs> and then that night, we're talking night, church family. Like I had went to a fire department meeting and the dudes were coming up like, bro, you losing weight. I'm like, I feel like, I, I feel like it. Yeah. I go home and my wife says, JB, why do you have my pants on? <laughs> so I know from now on, if I look in the, if, if it says time and true, I ain't putting them on me. Okay? Those are not going on me. All right? But here's what the Bible says. Y'all never going to forget that. The Bible prohibits this. In Deuteronomy 22, it says, A man shall not, a woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. Style changes, sin does not. If presenting yourself as the opposite sex is the goal, you are sinning. The New Testament backs this up. It says this in 1 Corinthians 6. It says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality. The word for male prostitute in here, in Greek here, is malakos, malakos, which means men who wear women's robes. What they're doing is they're dressing like women to attract men for sexual purposes. Same-sex behavior goes against the created purpose God has for us. Sexual sin destroys our God-given identity. You should run from all forms of sexual sin, pornography, all those things. We, we, we got to get rid of it. And Paul is really clear about it. Paul really, he takes a moment to talk about this. And I imagine that one of the reasons Paul is so adamant that you pay attention is because Paul is living in a place, he's living in a time where <clears throat> sexual promiscuity is celebrated and, and it's a form of worship. That's why when he talks about women not being able to speak, we talked about this last week, he's talking about these priests, uh, these priestesses from the temple of Diana. And so Paul can see the evil here. So he says, run. And, and, and no, no other sin so clearly affects the body, the temple of, of Christ, the temple of God, um, as this one does. For, uh, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. That's 1 Corinthians 6. Um, 
the biblical view of sex and gender is that they are binary, period. There's no wiggle room here. There's no wiggle room on that. God's word teaches us, it affirms that male and female were created individually for individual purpose, and we should celebrate that. So let's talk real quick. What should someone do who's struggling with gender identity? Again, this pastor will never get up here and condemn anybody. Not going to do it. Can I tell you why? First of all, because if you're here and you've never sinned, I really want to learn from you. The Bible says all have sinned. And all sin removes you from, the, from a holy God. And so you will never hear me or anybody in this church, I believe, get up and, and run our mouth about being holy and not without sin. Because that's not it. That's not it, church. So our society will take, <clears throat> we talked about the gender stereotype again, Girls like dolls, boys like trucks. I remember as a kid, if a little girl had short hair and liked to get in fights and all this stuff, we just said, well, that's a tomboy. And that was the end of it. It wasn't, you know, no one gathered around this child and said, oh, you must identify as something else. That's not the way it worked. Can I just say that's child abuse? And it's irresponsible and unethical. I remember I had a bunch of girl cousins that were older than me. One of them was sitting right there. And uh, I was with them. I was probably Jonah's size, and they all had Barbies and stuff. And I was like, I want one. I didn't know what a Barbie was. And I remember I got it, and I'm playing with Barbie. I'm like, bro, check out my Barbie. Now, I'm over here like with dinosaurs. like. <laughs> but I st- and, and what my father found out he freaked out. That's not fair to children. That's not fair. When a five-year-old boy is playing with a girl's toy, that doesn't mean he's having an identity crisis. That means he wants to play with a toy. So stop freaking out and stop trying to send someone on a gender journey because they picked up a toy. Come on. Parents... Don't freak out, again, when, when, your chi- when your kid or grandkid is not meeting every societal norm. Well, he's not a macho man. Yeah, well, he's six. Don't freak out. Love and teach. Show them. And if, if you're hearing me, podcast listeners, anyone, maybe you know someone and you can share this wisdom to anyone struggling with gender identity, I want to say this. This is, this is what this church stands on. It doesn't matter how you've responded to your struggle. God loves you. This church loves you. And you're welcome. It doesn't matter how you've responded. It doesn't matter if someone has transitioned. It doesn't matter if someone's thinking about transitioning. It doesn't matter if someone's transitioned and then detransitioned. God loves that person. Jesus died on a cross for that person. The world lies about this and corrupts the truth. But the truth is this. The church can love and accept a person without affirming their decisions. Let me say that again. The church can love and accept someone without Loving and accepting their decisions. We, get, we can do that. Listen, the Bible does not condemn transgender people, but it does prohibit transgender activity. And that could be said of any sinner, ever. The Bible doesn't condemn people, but it does prohibit sin. What the Bible does is shows us the way home. That's what it does. And if, and if you've ever seen a pastor who takes his Bible and tries to weaponize the word of God, man, that scares me. And that really upsets me because this is not a weapon. It is the way. Okay? 
And so the stance of this church is that, that God loves you no matter where you are or what you've done. God loves you and the people in these seats love you. For people struggling with gender identity, turning to Jesus and the wholeness he brings to our lives is the only answer. And the third thing I want to go through this morning is a question that if you have kids, if you have grandkids, you need to be thinking about this because I promise you the world wants to mess up your kid's identity. What if my child identifies as transgender? A recent Gallup poll found that 5.6% of United States adults identify as LGBT and that 16% of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQIA+. I'm going to read an excerpt from an article. Something's happening. Something is different with our young people. Used to be there were men and women that had attraction towards the same sex, but now it would seem that so many children have these identity issues. Why? Among Gen Z, something else is happening. While actual gender dysphoria is uh, an actual rare condition, a Brown University professor published a study that has since been suppressed that says rapid onset gender dysphoria among teens and young adults may be a social contagion linked with having friends who identify as LGBTQIA+. An identity politics culture, peer pressure, and increased internet use. Church, you better know who your kids are talking to. You better know what they're watching, who they're watching. Come on. You need to be paying attention to that. You need to be paying attention to the influences that are getting in their little brains. There was a lady, her name was Stephanie. And Stephanie was one of those little girls that instead of like played with dolls, she wanted to play with trucks. And her mother, not sure of what to do with that, took Stephanie and took her um, tomboyism as that she was trans. And so she took Stephanie and began to put her on puberty blockers. And Stephanie medically transitioned from female to male. Stephanie grew into an adult and began to have a lot of problems. And Stephanie took a step back, and by her own decision, she decided to detransition. And Stephanie's dealt with horrible depression, suicidal ideation, many, many, many medical problems because of this. Because mom allowed this to happen. Because instead of taking a step back and saying, hey, baby, you like trucks? Who cares if girls drive trucks? Just stay on the right side of the road. (laughs) The large majority of gender dysphoric youths eventually outgrow their feelings of dysphoria during puberty. And many end up identifying as homosexual adults. Affirmation therapies, which insist a child's cross-sex identity, should never be questioned. And puberty blockers puberty-blocking drugs advertised as a way for children to buy time to sort out their identities may only solidify feelings of dysphoria, setting them on a pathway to more invasive medical interventions and permanent infertility. The The pathologizing of sex, atypical behavior, is extremely worrying and regressive This is from a Wall Street Journal called The Dangerous Denial of Sex. 
Giving a 12-year-old puberty blockers or gender-affirming treatment is not the way to help them navigate their identity struggles. So what should parents do? Number one, be informed. Be aware of what your child is looking at online. You, as a parent, do not have an obligation to respect your child's internet privacy. Let me say that again. You, as a parent... Do not have an obligation to respect your child's internet privacy. You know what they're watching. Know what they're looking at. Know who they're looking at. It's my phone. No, it's not. You should know what they're doing, who they're following, who they're engaging with, who their friends are. And you need to wisely, hear me on this church. I know we're going long, but this is important. You need to wisely, lovingly, but firmly guide your children in their friendships. Let me say that again. You need to guide your kids in their friendships. You know what? There are some kids that you, we, little Johnny, little Susie, we can't be friends with them because they're not going the same direction in life that you are. And that sounds mean. Well, pastor, we're a church. We're supposed to love everybody. I didn't say we didn't love them. I just said we're not going the same direction they are. You, you should never, for the sake, you should never have your kid try to go be a missionary friend to somebody because you think that's what the church should do. Yeah, you should love that person, but you should not send your kid. Yeah, it's cool. Go over to their house. I don't really know what's going on over there, but yeah, it's, yeah you're probably cool. You're probably good. Stop doing that. You need to know who your, who your kids' friends are, what they're all about, and know what their parents are all about. Because what happens is you get the most chewed up and spit out corrupted version of the worst parenting. That's what comes out in kids. The second thing is be involved. Just like any sweepstakes, parenting, you must be present to win. You have to be there. You don't need to look for time. Well, you know, I'm, look, I'm trying to find time. You will never find it. You must make it. And time is not an investment. It is spent. You hear me? You don't just, well, I'm going to invest a little time over here. No, you never get that back. You spend it. And pay attention how you're spending. Time is like currency. You spend it, and you spend it on your family. You spend it on those little ones. And those of you who don't have kids at home, spend time with your grandkids. And if you don't, if you're not available or maybe, you know, for whatever reason you can't spend time with your grandkids, spend time praying for them. Spend time praying for other people's kids and other people's grand, grandkids. The third thing, parents take charge. Come on. You are in charge. God put you in place to protect and nurture your children. So get with it. Parents, listen, we try to be fun with our kids. Fun is great, but firm is going to make the difference. Stop letting your kids run all over you. Stop it. Because when you let your kids run all over you, you're not teaching them anything that they will, you're not teaching them anything good. You're teaching them to be entitled and you're teaching them to be abusive to everyone around them. And I love, listen, I love your kids. I love your kids. But that's what's going to happen. And you think, oh, I'm just, do you think I like being a disciplinarian for my kids? Absolutely not. I've had to, I've really, my, my son Jonah, I've had to really, you know, work on that kid sometimes. And, and Jonah has gotten some spankings before. I know that's harder y'all believe. But I love my kids so much, and I don't want to do that. And I have left his room and went to my room and cried because of not wanting to discipline my son. But church, that kind of weak parenting manufactures weak adults that get pushed around by every little thing and that go wherever the wind blows them. If you want strong adults... Listen, you're not raising strong kids. You're, great. you're raising strong men and women. So it's time to take charge. You know what? You're the parent. God made you the parent. It's not an accident. 
No kid's an accident. No parent-kid configuration is an accident. God has you there for a purpose. So take charge. And finally, what should we do as a church? What should we do? Because you, you see things on the news and it, it freaks you out. You see people marching and worship team, you guys can come back if you will. You see people marching and doing all these disruptive things. I was so distressed. I saw reports of a, <clears throat> a, a drag show for children. And I saw some video, and it, it made me so angry. Grown men parading around in lingerie amongst children. And there was a little boy, and his, I guess it was his parent, gave him some money to go give the dancer. And it makes you mad. Oh, that makes you mad. And you just, argh. So what do you do? What do you do, church? Number one, you pray. You pray. God, intervene. God, rescue these folks. Because church, we need to be compassionate here. Yes, that behavior is not okay, and it's horrible. But those people are sinners in need of rescue. And church family, the moment that we lose sight of that is the moment that we just become a militant cult. Do we affirm that behavior? No, sir. But we love those people. So we pray, God, intervene, God, rescue. Number two, we love, <clears throat> we love people where they're at because that's what Jesus has done for us. We don't say, hey, we would love to love you. Community Church North Webster would love to love on you, but you gotta get saved first. Absolutely not. That's not how this works. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we love, and here's how you do that. I'm gonna preach for a second. Stop with the angry, hateful jargon. Maybe you need to get on Instagram or Facebook and start unfollowing some outlets that run these angry things. We gotta stop this. We gotta. No, again, we don't affirm that behavior, but we don't hate those people. We don't want to scream and holler. And, no, we want to love and show kindness. The Bible says that kindness leads us to repentance. Can I testify real quick from this church? There was a young lady here that was going through a gender she was struggling with gender identity and someone said something to me as the pastor I said pastor you need to tell her stop dressing like that and I said if God tells me to I will and he never did and can I tell you the day that we baptized 16 people back there that girl came to me and she said pastor I don't have that problem anymore running up to somebody and slapping them across the face with the Bible is not going to get them saved living out the word of God in front of them is going to be what turns their mind to Jesus, turns their heart to Jesus, praying for them and loving them. And finally, church family, we, we shouldn't be afraid to stand for truth. Now, I'm not saying you need to go and put a billboard up. God hates this. God hates that. God doesn't. That's not the way it works. We stand for truth. We do not affirm lies of the world. We say, hey, no, we don't affirm that behavior at this church. 
we affirm what God's word says. And here's, in, in this culture, people are afraid to stand on the truth because we don't want to get canceled. You're afraid that wokeism is going to come after you. And it might. Wokeism could come after me for preaching this message. But we stand on the truth. Why? Because the truth sets men free. So we stand on the truth. We do not affirm that behavior. But we don't hate the one behaving like that. So we pray. We love people. And we stand for the truth by standing on the truth. So in closing this morning, I want to do something. This is heavy stuff. A lot of people are really struggling with this. And it's because of brokenness. I I missed a quote a while ago where it talked about people in Gen Z, people under 30. Usually when they begin to transition, it's directly related to a traumatic event in their life. And what happens is someone gets broken. Something happens and just breaks somebody down. And Satan sees that. And he, he just rushes in with every demon he can muster to try to defeat that person, to try to ruin that person's identity. And that's what we stand against. God loves these people. You very likely have someone in your family. If you're listening on podcast, this might be you. And God loves that person so, so dearly. So here's what I want to do, church. I want to ask you to stand. We're not going to do a traditional altar call this morning. But I want to ask you to pray with me for just a minute. That God would come in to every heart in need of rescue. This morning, we're going to pray specifically for those in the trans community. That God would speak to them. That rescue could be found. If you would, just raise your hands and let's pray together. God, I just, right now, I pray for every single member of the LGBTQIA plus community. God, that your arms would encircle them. That your mighty love would provide a way that identity could be affirmed in you, not in the world, not with a shortcut, God, but through your truth. God, I pray that you empower every church in, the, in, in America and worldwide to love these folks, to welcome them with open arms, to show Christ-like love. God, not to affirm behavior, but to show love. God, empower them with words of wisdom, with kindness, that leads to repentance. And Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, even at this very moment, that eyes are open, that hearts are broken for you, that whatever damage may have been done emotionally that caused someone to turn from you and and run into this corrupted identity, God, that you begin to heal that. God, that the name a person gives themselves or is placed on them doesn't stick, but that the name you write down for them is permanent. And God, that they call on the name Jesus. God, I pray that love overflows, that repentance and restoration, that life change comes because of it. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. We worship you and we lift up your name in this house. Church family, would you say with me, amen.
Listen, this is such a touching issue and it's something that you could get frustrated about. It's something you could get mad about. But I would challenge you when you see the news and you see this or that, send those feelings, send those emotions to Jesus in prayer. God, you handle it. You handle it. God, touch that person. Rescue that person. Do that. Open your heart so that kindness could overflow. You don't have to agree with somebody to love them. Amen. And I thank God that people loved me when I was acting pretty unagreeable. Church family, I pray that you go in peace this morning. And I pray that God opens doors for ministry for you this week. I'm not the only minister in this house. You are all ministers as well. Amen. Hey, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for spending time in God's house with God's family. Let me pray a blessing over you and we'll let you go. God, I just pray right now that you just bless this family. God, that peace overflows. God, that we seek your face, that we seek your word. God, we love you. Flow freely in this family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church family, we, we're not having Elevate tonight. We'll gather on Wednesday at 7, and uh, it's going to be a good time. Thank you for being here. See a victory.